Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 3 Film Feature. This is the show where we talk about three movies with no correlation necessarily involved with them. Weird one this time, because I'm doing two horror films in a row. We're talking Slumber Party Massacre and Day of the Animals. But before we even get into those, we have How to Steal a Million, which marks the first time we talk about both Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole on this channel. So check it out, guys. Pretty good one. Interesting, fun, a lot of horror shit. How to Steal a Million. Oh, folks, I, I've i been waiting for this for a while. I've talked about it a bunch. I've talked about this actress a bunch. I've done an entire episode of my podcast talking about Audrey Hepburn. If you want to see that, you can check it out here. I'll put a link for you to check it out. But we're talking How to Steal a Million. A lesser-known Audrey pick. It is directed by William Wyler, who directed her in Roman Holiday. He's a director I am fascinated by. I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of his works. It was mainly the Audrey stuff that I focused on. But I still think there is a brilliance behind his camera movements. He knows how to work with like this like just beautiful angles and lush forestry and these beautiful sets. I, I think there's some brilliance behind his work. Maybe he gets overlooked for some of like the other guys of the generation, but he's kind of like the everyman that can make whatever he wants to touch turn into gold. And How to Steal a Million... It's kind of interesting. There's something about this film that I think is explicitly of the 60s when it's taking place. This is an older Audrey. She's a little just like still figuring out like what she's going to do with her career turning into what it's going to become. And when you're seeing that with this guy who clearly knows how to tell a really fun story, you kind of get this weird hodgepodge of just action and comedy and story. And it, I think for the most part, How to Steal a Million is really good. There are a couple silly moments that I think have to exist because this is a film from the 60s and we can't really get too serious when you have Peter O'Toole and Audrey Hepburn together. There are certain areas it's just going to have to go a certain way. But honestly, I really enjoyed myself watching this. It's one that I vaguely remember seeing clips of and knowing it existed, but really sitting down to watch it this time, I was engrossed by the story. Is it dumb? Absolutely. It is so campy and silly, but I respect it for sticking to that. Like, this is the kind of thing I would see myself writing this kind of a story. You know, here's this legendary guy who has this huge collection of famous paintings. He's got Van Gogh paintings and these, like, statues of Venus and all these interesting, intricate details. But they're all forgeries. They were all made by him and his family. And they just have this, like, fake allure and, like, this stupid idea that we're famous and important because we can make these paintings look like we made them. I just want to say this right now too. Hugh Griffith, who plays Audrey's father in this film, he looks exactly like how I feel I'm going to look when I'm old. Just the really intense facial hair, like striking down to the pose, the big eyebrows and the hair falling down to the side like mine does. I love it. I love that this guy who clearly looks like an owl, who just looks insanely weird and stupid, just exists in this world and people are like oh yes he's just eccentric and crazy and we just believe it i think that's great i think that's great so he's this he, he's just a like a thief you know kind of like a thief he's a forger he makes copies of these famous paintings he displays his pious possession which is the statue of venus it goes on the art gallery and then the people at the art gallery are like well i can't tell if this is real or not we should have it checked just to see if we're really getting our money's worth for displaying it here 
Because of that, Audrey doesn't want her daddy to go to jail, so she has to get the help of somebody she thinks is an art thief to steal this piece. That's the whole movie. Like, honestly, a film in the 60s with this big of an idea, there's only like three real sets. The museum, the house, and I guess the restaurant where they talk. Like, that's kind of it. And that's a lot to deal with because it's weird. But the film really works. I think the strongest parts of this film are when it just leans into the absurdity of Peter O'Toole. Because, look, I don't talk about him a lot. He, to me, is a fantastic actor, somebody with great timing and great charisma who can just do no wrong. In this movie, his timing is immaculate. It is so deadpanly funny where he's just, I am probably going to get caught at any time, no matter what I do, so screw it. I'm just going to enjoy myself, be silly, be dumb, throw some boomerangs, open some doors, just have insane stuff. Like his actual like meeting with Audrey's character when they're in the in the house, he's trying to look at the painting. They have like the really stupid back and forth when he, he drops the painting, stumbles over it, and she accidentally shoots him. I love that because it's funny, it's honest, and it's accurate just how silly this event would become. I really dig that. I just love the way they play off each other. I love how she's the one who looks like she's about to pass out, even though he's the one that got shot. I just love the instant reaction of the alcohol being put on his arm to keep it from bleeding. I love it. He's doing fantastic work in here. And then later on, as the story progresses, you just see there is some bullshitting brilliance to his character where he's really, really just willing to fake his way to the top. I really dug that. I think it's super fun. But of course... Being the guy that I am and having a tremendously huge crush on Audrey Hepburn, she is the star of the show for me. I could, I don't know if I would say this is her finest work, but it is far from her worst. She is playing to all her strengths. I love when they just let her be silly and fun. Like, I, I, I like a serious Audrey where she's the one in command and she's powering all these emotions and stuff, but when she's just acting silly being a little camp where she's just like, wait a minute, if I'm driving your car home, how am I going to get back home? When she's just figuring those things out, when she's like, wait a minute, if you were here doing that, why are you over here doing this? How are you using the boomerang and all that stuff? It's funny. She has some really nice outfits in this too. I, I love it. Like the yellow outfit she wears kind of later in the day when she's going to meet the one guy is really beautiful, really cute. I don't know why, but just the scene after she suits him, and she's wearing kind of like the nighty, and she's putting on the coat and she's got those nice Audrey Hepburn legs putting on some big leather black boots. I'm like, oh, damn, I have never seen her more beautiful. And I've seen that woman in every form. But that one right there for me, I don't know why. I just thought she looked incredible there. She's great in this. She's bubbly. She's fun. She is just really just like, this is so weird. This is this is your plan. What is the plan? Why are we doing any of this? And when she has to be serious and actually like try to look like this isn't part of the plan and she's putting on like the maid's uniform trying to sneak away my goodness so she's just so coming to like i can't make this look unconvincing but i don't know how to make it look unconvincing so it looks like i should be here but i shouldn't be here so i don't know how to make it properly look like i should be here layers that you wouldn't expect from this beautiful woman just committing to this really silly bit and i absolutely love it I love it so much. I love that she's willing to meet this American man because she wants to kind of find happiness, but this guy's only interested in the painting. And she, as soon as she realizes that, she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's just a stupid painting. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get the Venus, man. So I don't care what happens here. I love it. Oh, she's fantastic. 
Should we talk about another Audrey film in the next couple weeks? We might. I think I want to get an Audrey kick again. I love this woman. Oh, my goodness. Just adorable. It's so great in here, but we have to spend some time talking about the actual heist. It's her family statue of Venus. We know it's a fake. She gets Peter O'Toole to help her steal it back from the museum. <laughs> it's just so funny. So his plan is human error. Essentially, he's going to trigger the alarms so many times that they're just going to shut it off. And that is when they steal it. I love it so much because you don't. You, you don't do this in modern film anymore. You either have to over-explain the plan or you just have to cut to the plan working in certain ways. But I love that this film spends about seven minutes, maybe even ten minutes, of these two amazing actors just in a freaking closet acting off each other. We get about a two-minute scene of Peter O'Toole taking a key off a wall of a magnet and he's pulling it down. He grabs it under the door of the magnet. He realizes he can't unlock the door from the inside. He gets a long string, pulls it all the way around, and then unlocks it from the outside. I'm like, no modern film is doing that scene. Not only because it's dumb and that doesn't look like a proper lock for a door, but just because that is just so tedious. But the entire time you're watching it, you're just like, this makes sense. Okay, I'll follow this plot along. So they have the door unlocked. His plan is take the boomerang he bought, throw it over the statue, set off the alarms. The entire police brigade shows up. Every officer on duty, every person in the museum, they all show up. The first time they're like, oh, okay, well, at least we came here to check it out. Second time, they're pissed off. Third time, the maids show up to clean everything. And I just, I love a good film. I love a good film where it just depicts cops as idiots. I love it because it's just so funny. These guys are protecting the law, and I love when they can just take the piss out of them. I love it. So they just place the bottle where the statue is supposed to be. They don't notice it for a minute, and then the guy's like, get the, get the bottle off of there, reaches in to grab the bottle and sets the alarms off again. It's hilarious. It is so funny. And just to cap that all off with them just giving the statue to the American that wanted it. And with the engagement ring he gave to Audrey, it's like, that is hilarious. He can't show it to anybody. He can never bring it up. And he's going to sacrifice his relationship with this woman because he wants a statue. Everyone gets a happy ending. They fall in love in the end. The dad's like, oh, this guy's insane. I like him. You should stop forging people now because he's an art detective. <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. And it's only a film that could be made in the studio era because no one today is going to sit through this slog, you know? It's weird. You couldn't do this today because it makes no freaking sense, but it's so fun. I just love, you could do an entire video talking about who does Audrey have the best chemistry with. I don't know if it's Peter O'Toole, but he knows how to make her look good. She knows how to play up his strengths of just the dry deadpan, just ex expository stuff. I love it. They are such a good pairing. You buy the chemistry because he's just like, I'm doing this for the girl. I don't care what happens. I understand this is fake. Who cares? I like this chick. Let's see where this goes. And she's like, I can't let my dad have these problems. But this guy's actually kind of interesting. He might actually be someone to have fun with. You get good. You just get good chemistry, good acting, a, an interesting storyline. A really good shift in tone when it actually takes place in the entirety of the museum in real time. I love that. It's fun. It's a two-hour movie. About half of it is the real-time event of the heist. That's really cool. It's so interesting. It's such a unique concept that it so works for this really kind of screwballish comedy, but not really screwball. Just we're, we're slowly stepping into what I think is going to become that more quick, you know, talkative comedy. I like it. 
I really liked this movie. It was really enjoyable. And I think I don't know if it's I don't know if it's in my top five Audrey, but I would I could slide it in there if I'd have to do another rewatch and maybe we'll come back and talk about another one very soon. But I, I really, really dug what this film did. Everything worked for me. The jokes landed, the chemistry landed. What a silly concept. What a great concept at the same time. How to Steal a Million really surprised me in ways I wasn't expecting it to, and I really dig it for that. It is the one and only Slumber Party Massacre. The Slumber Party Massacre. I needed this, you know? I, it feels like it's been a while since I've talked about a horror film on this show. I just wanted to watch something I knew... I would just get a kick out of, you know, I didn't want anything that was going to drag me down, make me think or feel, just a dumb movie, and that's what we got, <laughs> just Halloween came out a little before this, what if we made Halloween for bad people, <laughs> I, Slumber Party Massacre, it is a film that is so obvious, so in on the joke, that when I'm reading trivia about this film, it was originally supposed to be a parody of the movies it's trying to be, but as production went along and people started to see like, oh, we're not actually parodying anything. I guess we're just making a B-list horror film. And I'm like, that is pretty cool. I think that's funny because this film is really bad in all of the right ways. If you need something just to watch with your friends one day, it's like just under 80 minutes it is a solid, just quiet, here you go, put it on, you get the beats, you don't have to try hard kind of horror film. And I like that. It's a slasher flick. I know that's primarily the genre we've been sticking to so far when we've done horror movies, but it's just a good genre because you get the, you get it. You know, the suspense is built up so perfectly. The one thing about this film that I think could be a holdover from the parody thing is that every character has the nail drop moment where we think something bad's going to happen to them, but it's just like some other person grabbing their arm or a cat jumping out of a closet or something falls. Never the killer actually killing them in a moment. Everyone has a fake out like that. And I'm like, if you were parodying this film, yes, that is a good beat to have because everybody does that. But then it's like, nah, that's just that's just part of it now. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So what is this? Well, after watching about five minutes of a high school girls team playing basketball for some reason, one thing I didn't get about that scene, since we're just jumping into it, I didn't understand why the male students were just allowed in the gym for no reason. They're not playing the game, nor are they in gym attire. So they're just watching instead of being in class. It's weird. I guess it could be like an after school activity, but they did say the school was still open and they'd be locking it soon. And by the way, could you just imagine like the way you used to lock a building, which is big chains and a padlock? That is insane to me. But we don't even have, like, a connection to the ki the killer. There's no, like, interesting story like a Michael Myers. It's just a guy escaped. He's got big, creepy eyes and the most inconvenient weapon you are ever going to see one of these killers have. I'm sorry. Why would you use, like, a huge, huge drill that you have to hold with two hands and stab down into somebody? That is cumbersome and not something that's easy to carry with you. Like, the scenes where he's dragging it along the ground, I'm like, yep. That's believable because I don't buy you'd be able to lift that for like eight hours or whatever the length of this film is. It's really weird. And I think it's kind of cool. So it's a bunch of high school girls on the basketball team. There is 
Valerie, who's the new student who inexplicably gets invited to the slumber party, but she doesn't go for not really a reason. They don't really specify what the reason is. It seems like they're setting it up to be some like mysterious thing, but there isn't. Almost like if this was a parody, she would have been connected to the killer, but they didn't. So she just like runs away from them for no reason. There's Trish who is the main girl whose house is having the party, which has one of my favorite scenes ever. I love when movies start like this, like the parents are going away. The mom is just so like, oh, honey, I don't want to leave you. I love you. I miss you so much. And the dad's like, we got to go, honey. Our plane leaves in 10 minutes, probably, because back in the day, you could just get on an airplane whenever the fuck you wanted. And I'm just like, that's great. And don't worry, honey, Mr. Content next to... <laughs> It's content, right? They say Mr. Content, like that's the neighbor's name. This guy who either looks like he's 24 or 64. This really skinny blonde guy who literally just hangs out in the house with the 18-year-old girl for no explicit reason than other than like, I saw you were home and wanted to make sure you were safe. What a creep. I'm glad he died. So there's Trish. There's Valerie. There's the one who's got a boyfriend who is kind of like the slutty one, but she's just more like, I like my boyfriend and we're not really doing anything at this slumber party, so I'm going to go see him. And I forget her name. There's Jackie, who is the token black character. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but she is just there for the diversity's sake. And then there's the other girl, Kimberly, I think is her name. Yes, the other girl. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's that kind of movie where all of these main actresses, except for Valerie, I think, were going to see their naked bodies. Because it wouldn't be a slasher flick from this time period if we didn't see the young actors playing 18-year-olds, taking their clothes off, and just showering. Like, I, 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 I wasn't very active in sports in high school, but I couldn't imagine a school today having... A really just huge like locker room with the showers that are individual stalls that you can just look over top of and stare at people. That seems dumb. And I've never been to a slumber party with a bunch of women. Unfortunately, I just haven't had that experience. So I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'm going to say it's probably not accurate that you just all strip down in the same spot with the windows open for a bunch of peeping toms to look inside and then just put on various like jerseys from sporting matches. I don't think that's accurate, but that happens in this. I don't know why, but I'm like, is that just like, it's clearly like the male gaze, but I think there's like a bunch of women behind the scenes that made this. So I'm like, that's gotta be a studio note. Like, I feel like you could feel the pushback. Like, Oh, if this was a parody, it would be sillier, but there's two male characters. There's Jeff and then there's this other guy who's Jeff's friend, kind of Anthony Michael Hall vibes. You just want both of them to die because they're just the worst guys ever. So there's like the scene where you meet these dudes. There's like the dumbest thing ever where this woman's just painting a window. He helps her move the ladder. He's like, you ever date a younger guy? And then the killer's just in her van and she dies in the van. She's the first kill, but it doesn't slow down from there because she gets killed. Another person at the school gets killed. Mr. Content gets killed. The boyfriend and the girlfriend who want to sneak off and go kissy-kissy get killed. Jeff and his friend get killed. And everybody else gets killed except for Trish, Valerie, and Courtney, who is Valerie's daughter. No, sister. Yeah, sister. Who is the most annoying character in this film? Because she's younger and she's just the most horny character. And I really don't 
like that. I, I think it makes sense, I guess, because Valerie is clearly just like quiet about her sexuality. They kind of hint that maybe she was interested in women. Like that's an element I thought they would explore, but they didn't. So I'm just thinking like Courtney was clearly just waiting to meet some boys. And I'm like, that is weird. And it's like, what is going on? And the, the thing I kind of like about the film too is that it doesn't glorify the kills. They're just lazy and boring. It's like, yeah, here you go. We just have a drill. It's going in your back or your neck or your skull. It's done. You're done. We just toss the bodies in a trunk. There's one really great bit of comedy where, again, it's the parody thing where you're just seeing like Courtney's opening the fridge and Kimberly's body keeps falling out. She does that twice. And you're like, why is that happening? What a weird, like, it's supposed to be scary, but it really plays off like a joke. And that's really weird because if this worked, if they like stuck to their guns and said, no, we are parodying Halloween, they would have beat Scary Movie and Scream to the Punchline on this thing. And I think that could have been really cool because they actually sing the Halloween theme song in here when the lights go out. I'm like, what? you're so, you're towing the line so closely to being something special, but you just have to pull back every time it happens and you just become a basic slasher flick. They might have killed the guy, who's to say? They probably did. It's it's really weird. The other thing that really surprised me was how good the camera movements were. Like, good POV shots. Sometimes it was shaky, but it's just a budget thing. You can't have, like, a stabilizer, and we don't have, like, the evil dead sweep coming in yet to show you how to do that properly. So it's really it's really interesting looking. I, I think there's, like, some gorilla shots in here that look really well. It's actually kind of impressive how much I liked the cinematography. And I really... I really like the houses. And I think that was just like the thing back in like the 80s where it's like you could just get a really nice house for very cheap because the world wasn't broken yet. <laughs> and they like they have like a garage that is separate from the house and like a really beautiful walkway with like two swing sets. I'm like that is really cool. I wish houses still worked like that and the market wasn't broken and annoying. I don't know, man. This film actually surprised me. Is it bad? Yeah. Dialogue on the nose, of course. But you got some beautiful girls getting killed and some really annoying assholes getting killed. So that's kind of cool. There is the the coach character who I, I, I genuinely like her, I think, the most because they're trying so hard to show you like, oh, she's alone on a Friday night. She's dressed like a gym coach and she has a cat. She's a lonely widowed or something woman where she's alone and never happy. And I'm like, what a weird angle to throw into this. But she's a compelling character that I like. But if I had to pick my favorite character, it's the cat that jumps out of the closet and attacks Kim. And, no, is it Kimberly? It's Kimberly or Valerie. I'm like, that's great. What a weird thing to do. But the Slumber Party Massacre... A good flick if you have nothing better to do with your time, and a breezy one if you and your friends are just, say, waiting to go to a club, watch a bunch of people die in this really weird way for stupid drill. It is the day of the animals. I was on a Shudder kick this week. I watched a few movies on Shudder that I've never heard of before. One of them happened to be The Day of the Animals. A weird horror film that really just, it hooked me because of literally just like the plot summary, which was the ozone layer is gone and the animals go evil. That's it. I'm like, yep, 
that is so unrealistic but plausible that I have to watch what it means. And when I mean plausible, I mean like, yes, if the animals did go evil, we'd all be screwed because they'd overwhelm us. But then you're like, if I just locked myself in a room, I'd be okay, but then I'd have to leave the room. It's like, it's such a weird concept that I had to watch it. And then you're like, okay, so it's like the late 70s. It's going to be kind of a weird horror film. You're like, this can't be anything good. Truth is, it's it's really weird. But I like it. I really do like it. So the film actually opens up with like a Star Wars-esque like opening crawl. Where it's like, this is an event that could, it underlines, could happen if we lost the ozone layer. No, it wouldn't. I don't understand why anybody, I know it's like a weird horror film, but why would anybody think this would be what would happen if we lost the ozone layer? It wouldn't happen like this. It's just a thing that is happening. It's so weird to me. But honestly, it is an insane movie that starts off just like so slow and you're like, okay, the animals are clearly going crazy. And then it takes a really weird turn later on, but we'll start getting there. So the idea is we are going hiking for a couple of weeks, I guess, with these random people. I don't know all their names, but I'll, I'll describe them to you. You have the leader of the pack. You have Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> a mother and her son, two young horny kids, an ex-football player, a Native American who is, is handled interestingly where... There are people that are clearly making the jokes and saying stupid shit, but there's people in defense of that character that are talking about the racist guy, like, shut the hell up. And then there's another couple who hate each other, and a cam and like a newswoman and a camera guy, I guess. The guy with glasses and the pretty blonde are the last two. Those are the characters, right? They're going for a hike. Everyone's kind of on edge. Nobody really wants to be there, which is just really interesting to me. Like, why would you do this long of a hike if you don't want to be there like i'm sure you could work like the mother is like why am i doing this the father should be doing this the father's off drinking somewhere you could probably find it like a day camp to take your kid for something like that if you don't want to do it but they're up high enough where the ozone layer is gone and we see as they're just walking we intersperse this with random cuts of random animals in the area just looking at them and i love that so much because it means absolutely nothing if you have no context for this movie if you just threw it on one day and you're like okay people are going for a hike why are we zooming in on an owl for so long why are we looking at mountain lions and bears and just snakes and wolves just looking at these people it is so bizarre and dumb and it's just like so stupid and slow and then slowly as the story progresses so slowly and it's only like an hour and 37 so slowly you just start to see these animals just attack them for no reason i just love the idea that the animals don't attack each other we're not stumbling into a world where like a german shepherd and a wolf are fighting they're just all like nah the humans the ones in pants they have to die it is so interesting because it makes absolutely no sense. Why would the animals get affected if we didn't? I don't understand that, but I love it. So the first attack is, I believe it's by like a bird, like a bird might tries to attack the kid. And then I think it's a wolf that attacks the one girl who's unhappy. So she has to leave with her husband and they get into a huge fight. And I, this is like, there's like, a, it diverges into like a couple storylines, but this one's one of my favorites where it's like this woman's attacked by a wolf. 
She's being stalked by vultures. Her husband's like, fine, you don't want my help. Screw you. And she's like, I hate you so much. She gets attacked by vultures and falls off a cliff. I love that story so much because it's like, she has an every right should hate this guy. <laughs> it's just so stupid and insane. That's one of the storylines we see. We see the park ranger who doesn't believe that something's going on. And then later on in the story, he's called up like, yo, we have to evacuate the town because we're above the evol- the ev- yeah, the elevation of <laughs> the like the ozone, so we have to go. Get up and leave. And while he's on the phone, he's attacked by rats. And then it's just so like that is terrifying. Could you imagine just being attacked by a bunch of rats? Well, they're eating, like, your frozen food, and then they just jump on you and scratch your face and notch you. It's disturbing. And then it just turns out, like, the military shows up in this town. Everyone's being evacuated. It's insane. It is insane. And we don't even see if that guy dies. He's just gone for the rest of the story. It's weird. And then we just focus on the rest of our group hiking. And, <laughs> look, I I will. I know for a fact I'm going to talk endlessly about Leslie Nielsen on this channel and other movies we cover, but he is just closing in on what's going to become his career. You know, we're still not at like airplane or the naked guns yet. We're slowly getting to them. So in day of the animals, he is the arrogant advertising sales guy. I think they say he's an advertising or he's like an executive of some stupid shit. He's arrogant and racist. He's like, I'm not going to follow this son of a gun hillbilly mother guy. I'm going to go off on my own and we're going to find our way back because the higher we get up, the better chances a chopper is going to find us. So he takes the young horny kids, the mum and the son, and they go off on their own. And within the next scene, we see him. He's been angry the entire movie so arrogant and annoying the entire film the next scene we see him in he is shirtless demanding everybody listen to him throwing the mother and the son onto the ground he kills the horny kid and tries to rape the woman and i'm just like are we saying that he's getting affected by the lack of ozone or is he just like finally i'm primal i'm in my my best spirits i've wanted to do this since we got here be this brutal man this primal creature throwing people around killing people with sharp sticks and raping women and you're just like what the hell? this is such a big departure because nobody else is affected if we're saying he is affected by like the lack of ozone no other human is. So he's clearly just wanting to do this from the beginning. He's shirtless the entire time. And then as his story ends, he gets into a wrestling match with a bear. And you're just like, how is that possible? Where did where did that come from? We've been spending the past like hour just slowly building up to these animals attacking. And then this guy is just shirtless screaming, trying to assault women. And then a bear attacks him. And they wrestle. It's not just like the bear bites his neck or anything. They tackle each other. It is like a bizarre idea because it makes absolutely no sense why this. I know Leslie Nielsen's always looked like an old guy. But why would this man be able to fight a bear physically? It is so bizarre and makes absolutely no sense to the entire story. But he dies. And I guess the bear dies too. It's so stupid. And then the other people he's with, they find a helicopter and they're able to get inside and just be protected from rabid dogs. And this is the other thing I really like about this film for some reason. 
they don't use the same dog twice. <laughs> it's so weird. So there's one scene where it's like coyotes and wolves attacking them. There's one scene where the rest of our people are attacked by German shepherds. But it's like 50 German shepherds. Well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. It's like at least 15 German shepherds attacking this one person. And you're like, that is the most terrifying thing you could imagine. If a bunch of rabid, angry dogs were attacking you, that would be scary. And then there's some, uh, there's like other breeds of dogs. I can't remember their names, but there's one like the town that kind of like stalks this one guy. So the guy whose wife gets like thrown off a cliff by the vultures, he has another side story going on where he is working. <laughs> like he finds this kid and they like go into the town and he's trying to protect this girl. And there's this horrifying scene where he gets devoured by snakes and she is watching through like this wind, like the window of a car. And then it just closely, it just zooms in on her face and she is just petrified and scared beyond belief watching this grown man get devoured by snakes. That is the most harrowing scene of the entire film because it is so brutal. It is just like that. Just imagine like you actually save this girl from these rabid dogs, these creatures trying to kill you everywhere. You open a car door and you're mauled by snakes. How do the snakes get into a closed car? That's what I want to know. But it's just so brutal and terrifying and then the the football player and the guy with glasses in the camera they get killed by german shepherds and pretty much the only people that survive are the mother the son the girlfriend who was trying to be sexually attacked by leslie nielsen the park ranger guy who takes them on the hiking trip the news reporter lady and the native american because they disconnect a raft and they get in the water and it's like that would that work because dogs can swim, and the dogs do swim. Like, they actually jump in the water and chase them. It's quite bizarre. But I don't hate it. Like, there's just something so pleasant about the film where it's just so laid back. It's like, okay, we'll spend the time getting you here. Here's just random shots of, like, a mountain lion looking down at the people. I like that. And then when they actually, like, attack the people, the animals, it is brutal because you can clearly see, like, oh, this is a trained animal playing with somebody. And then when it's, like, a puppet or just quick shots, it is insane. There's people throwing, like, rugs around. It is so bizarre, but I love it. The thing I really enjoy is just that they tease the owl for so long, but the owl doesn't do anything. It's just got, like, a distinctive look. And we just zoom in on the owl all the time. Like, it's, like, the leader of this attack, and it doesn't do anything. I'm like, why are we focusing on the owl when it doesn't attack people? And is it not affecting the fish? Because there's a scene where we're just catching fish in a river, but they're not, like, attacking the people. So is it just people, like, I, I, does the ozone not affect the, the water that it's in? Very interesting. But such a weird movie, you know? If you're going into this, like, oh, the animals are going to attack people and they're going to die... It's great, but then you get the most insane scenes where Leslie Nielsen is fighting a bear while he is shirtless, and you get a scene where this young child is watching a man get devoured by snakes. Just these horrifying sequences in this insane world where, like, a man's getting eaten by, like, 15 German shepherds. That is not a normal thing to see. It is absolutely gut-wrenchingly terrifying, and you just got to imagine, like, could you imagine, like, that world where you are walking in your kitchen and then 20 mice just jump on your face and start eating your flesh i would scream so much but it's like so insane and day of the animals 
It's a pretty interesting horror film. Like, it's so silly and dumb, but it's kind of scary. and it, it does play itself off pretty well, so I did enjoy it. And I, I, it just puts me in that mood where you're like, oh, I got to see Grizzly and I got to see the alligator stuff and the piranhas again. Just those stupid things where animals attack people. It's great. I really enjoyed this, actually. So dumb, but so fun. That is Day of the Animals. And that's going to do it for this review of Horrific Tales. No, thank you guys so much for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as always, I will catch you in the next one. Have fun, stay safe, good luck.